There's a moment in Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail in 72 where he's invited to share a car with uh, President and uh, at the same time candidate Nixon. Uh, the Secret Service told Hunter that if he asked any political questions, he would be thrown out and that the president only wanted to discuss football, specifically his favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. Hunter obliged uh, President Nixon and did so. Uh, and I can only imagine how this would play out in today's, you know, kind of day and age. Uh, you know, a young, full-throated freak like myself confronting the Donald in a restricted limo only allowed to discuss uh, how good the Donald did on Fox and Friends this morning and uh, how his obvious and debilitating lack of understanding on a world stage isn't leading us sprinting into nuclear holocaust. Uh, and I think that that might truly be the greatest expression of Zen. Uh, if you, if you, if if a if a, a young true leftist could really sit across from uh, Mr. Donnie T and and confine himself to discussing how great the Florida Bama game was on uh, Saturday night. I think that'd be impressive just because you're talking about the goddamn SEC, let's be honest here. <laughs> well, I mean, the Knolls are trash, but uh, Bam, Bama's it, got their own problems. It, it, it would truly be Zen and the art of Cheeto Benito maintenance. <laughs> that, that's what it would be. <laughs> Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian Nation, ride my pony on the reservation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now way down yonder in the Indian Nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. I'm Adam Burnett. And I'm Carl Roberts. And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma and left politics in Oklahoma. How you doing this week, Carl? You making it? Um, I'm, I'm pulling through. Getting, getting, getting stuff done that's got to get done uh, a, bit, a bit after time, but yeah. still done. It's yeah, okay. school has started on this side of the Atlantic, and uh, things are becoming more and more hectic, but... We've got another week and another great show uh, for everybody, and uh, hopefully we're going to go through some of the uh, uh, top news uh, notes for the week. So, starting off in national news, um, the very first thing we wanted to do is, uh, so this week, uh, President Trump has revealed his uh, tax plan, um, and I mean, you know, it, it's kind of frustrating because it's it's the same tax plan that, you know, W... And Reagan. Papa Bush and Reagan. And really, I mean, you know, even, even Clinton's. Clinton's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they, they really, you know, this is the this is the idea of trickle-down e- economics. And what his tax plan boils down to is that you, he wants to cut taxes on the wealthy and uh, corporations in order to incentivize them. Uh, to invest. Yeah. No, to invest. And not just investment in the stock market, but investment in their worker and in their own infrastructure as well. Uh, by saying that, you know, we're going to let, let these people pay less taxes, that they say they make more profit, which means they should, you know, conceivably pay their workers more, and thus their workers will be more incentivized to produce a higher level 
product that is more competitive in a capitalist market. Unfortunately, as uh, what do you think? All of history <laughs> has well, told us literally <laughs> trickle down economics doesn't work. Literally, since the start of trickle down economics, we have every single proof um, that that it's fucking bullshit. That it's fake news. It's the fakest fake fucking fake news. Uh, yeah, um, and I I think it is so telling um, on that basis. Because um, basically there are – this tax plan is – I mean, you know, you know, Trump ran and a lot of people saw him as this you know, terrifying figure of, oh, we have no idea what he's going to do. What is he going to do? How is he going to be different than you – know, uh, he's so unpresidential. What, how is he going to handle these things? And it's just like he has not taken a, a single step that wasn't just written down in the Republican playbook. I mean – this is right out of their playbook. Cut taxes for the rich and the corporations and, you know, allow you to keep moving. But Donald and the Republicans were really, really heavily relying on passing a repeal to Obamacare so that they could open up funds. Because basically, the oligarchs now, at this point, under this capitalist system, have gotten such a large portion of the wealth that if it is not, if that portion of the wealth is not taxed, there's just no money to fund the government. And so what they were really hoping to do was to cut Obamacare to make the government's budget smaller, which would open them up to make more tax cuts. But the problem with that is they didn't pass Obamacare repeal. And then on top of that, because of that, so it's not going to work, even the Republicans are flying away from this plan. You know, old DT cannot find even Republicans. And it is because is that this is, will just literally defund the government. It, it, it has gotten to a point where, I mean, you know, it's, we make the jokes about, like, paying for government out of pocket, but, like, that is basically where we were at if we were to cut taxes anymore on the rich. It has gotten to a point where we would just be paying out of pocket for our government. You'd pay the police when they pulled you over. You, well, I mean, you already do that because they just take the money out of your wallet. But you'd pay, you know, the fire department would watch your house burn unless you, you know... Paid them whatever they wanted. And the great part about that is that they can just demand whatever they want. And the thing is, too, I mean, um, is, is that, you know, like tax, cut, tax cuts on, on the wealthy or, or not taxing the wealthy, like it's not fucking any snot off their goddamn nose. It doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't if you're making two million dollars a year or something and and I don't know what like. Fifty percent of that goes to taxes. You still have a million dollars a year in pocket. Like you're gonna have a good life if if you have billions of dollars. You literally can't spend that money. Like you would have to like have a machine that just buys gold bars for you to be able to spend your wealth. Okay. Like it just doesn't. Elon Musk has just filed a lawsuit against us for an infringement on his patent of making a machine that just prints out gold. Actually, and... Peter <laughs> Peter Thiel is gonna <laughs> like. Have Hulk Hogan sue us for defamation. <laughs> um, well, I just, I mean, you know, the real crux of this problem is that, uh, you know, so often I hear, um, you know, the critique from capitalists of, well, you just don't understand how the real world works. And, like, it just amazes me because we have a finite, I mean, you know, there's not a finite resource of honor. There's Capital is not finite, 
But what is finite is resources, uh, physical resources. But under a capitalist system, that capital is bound to those resources. And when you tie it up by allowing small amounts of people to, to dictate what is done with that capital, what you end up have happening is that no one has access anymore. And you're looking at exactly the situation we have now where 1% controls 99% of the wealth and 95% without access to that capital are just deprived of resources. And, you know, on there, there, there's, a, you know, a good hand to that in that, you know, the system can't bear it that long. Um, eventually something has to be done, you know, either the, or, or you know, or, you know, either the Orwellian foot on the face or the, you know, the Huxleyan, uh, you know, dope everyone into oblivion. And I, you know, I think there's a nice, the U.S. government and the pharmaceutical industry has weaved a nice little plan in here. But, you know. This and, idea- and the media, like we, we have the reality TV show president now. Yeah. Like that's part of it too. Yeah. And, and, but I think, um, you know, one of the things that I think this does also say is that, you know, Trump ran on this pseudo blue collar, you know, especially in Oklahoma, you know, I see Trump voters, I see Trump stickers on the back of trucks and dudes driving around with the, uh, whatever, the uh, Moab, uh, come and take them that uh, the Spartan uh, uh, leader said that they all want to tote out as, you know, they're all Spartans and, you know, the government can't take their guns and all these uh, hard libertarians that don't know what the libertarian means, so they call themselves Republicans. And, I, I see that and it just blows me away because he's just a rich boy conservative. I mean, he's no different than W. I mean, this is exactly like everything he's ever run on the wall. Mexico's going to pay for it? No, they're not. They're gonna, we're going to pay for it through increased taxes and all that money is going to be diverted away from education and uh, health infrastructure because yeah. we refuse to tax the wealthy and refuse to cut the defense budget. Number two... Uh, drain the swamp. I mean, just look at the Goldman Sachs execs. I mean, you really were draining a swamp. No, like he has just filled it with the exact kind of cronyism that Nixon would have been proud of lock, locking Hillary Clinton up. Everything, everything is every promise is every promise is fly is, is, is a lie. Every single promise is a lie. And it just, it gets to a point where if you've drank the snake oil and you've paid all this money for the snake oil, you feel really stupid. But guess what? I feel stupid all the time and it's okay to feel stupid. It, it is. We uh, all make mistakes. Yeah, it's a normal thing. People make dum-dums. I make dum-dums all the time. Two days ago, I poured coffee in my lap and I had to not scream in the middle of class. It was very, <laughs> very disruptive to my lap security. But you know what? I handled it. I made my little bed and I laid down in it and I was fine. But just admit at a certain point that you're wrong because all we're doing by facilitating this kind of thing moving forward is one, ignoring your fellow citizens' cries for help and two, playing directly in – it's it's the same thing I've had a couple of times. I try not to break this joke out because it usually gets met with very, very, very fierce anger. But it's just that when I make fun of Trump supporters for literally being tricked by Russian propaganda after having told me for years and years and years that I'm, as a socialist, I'm just an idiot who's been tricked by Russian propaganda, and then they were all literally tricked by Russian propaganda to voting for someone, it's pretty impressive. And I try to keep that one under a little bit of wraps because, yeah, I tend to piss people off when I tell them they got tricked by the Russians, (laughs) which they did. (laughs) 
which they did. They did. They did. Russia was doing its normal. We we are contesting the hegemon's power in the international arena thing. We do that. It's to, a thing. You know, they, they did. It's a thing they like. Literally, like we talked about <clears throat> last week. It's a thing they've done since Kennedy. It's they. It's 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 a classic, classic, uh, 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 destabilization world power play. I mean, but I mean, let's let's take a good example, like. Like, Russia also doesn't have high taxes on the wealthy and super serious wealth concentration. It's not good. It's not, it's not good for anybody. And, well, and, and the and one I, – I think, I think it's important to say, though, that when it comes to his promises, I think the one promise he will see through is tax reform. And tax reform is code, of course, for, like, you know, hurt, hurting poor people more so that rich people can have more in their bank accounts. But it's just – So I, 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 had pulled, I had pulled an LA Times op-ed um, that we can put up on the, uh, on the subreddit. We need to get a little – we need to, you know, start putting those uh, uh, articles up. Uh, but um, one of the things that I had, I had see, seen is that this has basically become so untenable that Republicans don't support it. Without the Obamacare repeal, there's no money to cut taxes. And the thing is – and like taxes I mean, should be increased. They're already very, you know, you know, considering the popular, the, the 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 management of the resources from where the resources are. Taxes are already pretty skewed. You know, uh, there was the famous um, Roger Ebert, or not Roger Ebert, uh, the guy who owns all the uh, media conglomerates. Uh, Warren Buffett. Yeah, Buffett pays like seven percent taxes in the U.S. Uh, I know that's probably dated. That's I think that that statistic was from two thousand twelve or two thousand eleven. But, it, I mean, even under Obama, they cut taxes for the yeah. rich. Um, and it, it just it – it, and- it has gotten to a point that if we reduce – like the literally the amount of capital we have to incentivize like work because that's how work is incentivized under capitalism is through capital. That capital has now been yeah. locked up behind 1% behind, you know, a, a thousand people's doors have locked up 99% of the capital to incentivize work. And now the government can't be bothered to get that incentivization back. It's just um... well, and the thing is, think about just think about it for a second. If they want to spend, if they want to give all this money in wages and shit like that, let's just buy that fucking argument for a hot second, right? Let's buy that they want to invest their money. Why haven't they been doing it? Because Warren Buffett's tax rate is so low because he he says he doesn't have real income and that he only has capital gains. Yep. So we already don't tax investment essentially. That's the whole point. And, and what they want to do is make it even – they want to make it even worse, make it even easier for rich people to avoid taxes. They can already send their fucking taxes through shell companies in Panama yeah. and get away with washing their money legally very easy. They could do all that kind of shit. The, oh, and, and the thing is if they the wanted to give us that, that money, they anyway. could. And yeah. if you look – I mean if you just look at a fucking – if you look at a, a graph of wage productivity and wage growth – or rather uh, worker productivity and wage growth – it flatlines around when stagflation happens, and then it just has flatline. It's literally been flat since the late 70s, since people started trying to do this supply-side fucking voodoo economics, right? This fake news economics. They don't invest it. And that's why they don't want taxes, because they can sit in their fucking high horses and say, oh, yeah, we're going to invest it. The problem is that we get taxed too high or something, and keep their fucking money. Well, I, I think... And if we take taxes, then they have to spread the money yeah. around. That's the thing. That's why they don't like it, because yeah. they don't want to spread the money around. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's very important, because it is, it, it is I think it is, you know, we, 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 
It's one of the buzzwords that I try and keep under wraps too, but a power relation is at play here. You know, we talk about, you know, work is something separate from capital. Capital is used to incentivize work and it is used in a certain way. It, 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 capital exists because of a, a need for specialization. Um, and, and it allows people to specialize at a much higher rate. And I don't think, you know, either of us are going to dispute that. I mean, you can look at, you know, the history of the world and see that when gold currency and, and, and when, and when metal currency was evolved, there was a much higher one, there was a need for something to fill the gap of specialization from, uh, uh, from, you know, sustenance farming. But you can also see that then following that, that there is a, 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 a real place for capital and for for currency money, but when you allow that to override everything and for that to become the sole incentive for work to be completed, you really struggle when you allow that, that incent the incentive for work is locked behind the decision-making of a thousand unelected people who in most cases got their money from their parents and thus have isolated control of the working proletariat through capital. I mean, it is exactly the same, you know, people, you know, say, oh, well, under socialism, we'd, we'd all, you know, have to do what the government tells us to do and everything. Well, you know what? I'd much rather do what the motherfucking government has to tell me to do because I can elect and fire those people. than I would rather do what a private individual has mandated for me because they have no scruples. They have no regulation. There's no oversight. I don't get to vote them out of their money. Well, and as Warren Buffett, like Warren Buffett, I think is a really good example because Warren Buffett says, very expressly, part of the problem he has with the system right now, part of the very express problem he has is that it incentivizes him to not get taxed appropriately. Yeah. And he's like, of course I'm going to do that because, you know, if, if, you accept the, if you accept the reified capitalist human as the natural state of things for humans, which is bullshit, it's made up, but if you accept that, of course they're going to do this. Because we're incentivizing it. We're saying this is what you should do. And we've said this before. Like, if you have a democratic government and you have a socialist economy, I mean, that's that's part of what Trump got elected on, was saying, hey, we need investment in our communities. We need things like infrastructure. People want that shit mm. because that's good to have. It's nice. It's nice to have good parks. It's nice to have good roads. It's nice to have rail. It's nice to have airports that aren't falling apart. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, think, I think an important tenet of this to remember is, is that basically we've gotten to a point where the idea of tax cuts on the corporations and the rich has gotten to a point where even Republicans can't vote for it because not only without the Obamacare repeal, but without a, you know, a change in the landscape, if they vote any less taxes, it, it literally defund the government. And, yeah, and that and there, there are Republicans peeling away from this re- tax uh, reform plan that really are peeling away and, and in what seems to be a... Uh, you know, pretty informed in major way are pulling themselves back because honestly, they don't see it as being tenable. And I agree. Any further, I mean, you know, you can look at the state of education and the state of infrastructure in Oklahoma and, and, and say, you know, if there was some federal aid to pay for some of that, that wasn't going to defense spending or the wall, uh, you know, we, we could actually fix some of the problems that are actually impacting Oklahomans. Yeah, we could. But People seem to think freedom means letting your boss fucking fire you for t- saying what you want to yep. and having to work nine to five, seven days a not week. having not not having any any say over your schedule and being told the day before you have to work for twelve hours that you have to work then twelve hours. Yeah. That's that's not freedom. That's not anybody not who tells you that is that fine. that's freedom. That's freedom in the fucking fifteen hundreds. It's been five hundred years. It's not freedom anymore. Ugh. Well. 
Speaking of countries that are 1,500 years in the past, we have to... Uh, yes. We have to we have to go back to North Korea uh, this week. Um, North Korea uh, has tested a thermonuclear device, hydrogen bomb. Um, the escalation of uh, rhetoric uh, has been pretty pretty staunch. Um, basically, the the big quote from Trump earlier this weekend was that he is leaving the nuclear option on the table. Um, North Korea has previously essentially part, 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 on, on, on one hand, you have to remember that North Korea probably has nuclear weapons already. They're not willing to test the nuclear weapons that they know work because like the tests are mostly things to piss off the international community. They are really not something that is uh, helpful to the Koreans because they can just go to Russia or go to the U.S. and find out what, you know, what happens when you drop a nuclear bomb. It's not like when Oppenheimer, you know, when they, when Oppenheimer and, and the rest of Man the Manhattan Project let off the first nuclear and then the first thermonuclear bomb and they were like, okay, is this going to burn the, uh, is this going to burn the atmosphere down? Yeah, let's, let's take bets on if it'll burn the atmosphere because if I win the bet that it won't, I get the money and if I lose, I don't give a fuck. Because I'll be dead. <laughs> I'll be dead AF. <laughs> yeah, and so I think you know, like that, like that is an important thing to understand is that like this is just a rhetoric, and their most powerful bombs are never ever going to be tested. They will be used or stockpiled. Um, well, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I want to push back on that a little bit because I do think, I think that the reason they had this hydrogen bomb test, I saw something about it from a mm -hmm. seismologist that studies underground nuclear tests. Right, mm -hmm. that's like his job. That's a fucking cool job. Yeah, be I'm great gonna job. be honest. Um, and he tweeted out after the test, like, all lowercase, this is his official academic account, oh fuck. <laughs> oh man. So I think, I think, I don't think they're going to test it again, but I think it's, I think they, they do it once, and then everybody in the West is going to be like, well they have a fucking H-bomb now. Yeah. What are we supposed to do? They have an H-bomb. They don't need to test it again. We know. Yeah, and, and, and so I, I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. Um, that this is, this is definitely another category, and, and if you can imagine, um, you know, it, this is kind of the old Stalin quote, a, a single death is a tragedy and a million deaths is a t statistic. Uh, you yeah. know, you talk about certain parts of the First World War where you're losing 60,000 cavalry in a single day. Uh, but if you can imagine it, you know, the, the devices we dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were not hydrogen bombs. They were nuclear no, they bombs. No, they were not really comparable to hydrogen bombs. Yeah, and so a hydrogen bombs is about a hydrogen bomb is about a hundred times more powerful, give or take a lot. This is someone who has no education in this saying this. This is stuff I've read on the internet, but they are about a hundred times more powerful, and that is just hard to quantify because what do you you know what? Do you, it's not a hundred times more distance. It's a hundred times more powerful. So you're just making the crater deeper and wider at that point. Um, but I, I think that there is on one hand this is a you know. We we while we've yelled about this a lot, the North Korean and the North Korean government really do seem as if they are on a path to a very dark place, and it does seem like the international community is struggling um, very hard with determining how they should deal with that problem. And I want to talk to you in a moment about um, what you think would be the best ways to deal with it. I have a few ideas myself. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I wanted to have another Trump quote before we move forward, and that is that Trump condemned. So South Korea, we talked about this before, but South Korea has been really working to talk to North Korea and say, cool your shit, bro. Like, calm down, you're getting a little loud, you, you, you've had too much Hennessy, you need to cool down, you're going to get thrown out the club. And Trump has categorized their attempt at peace talks as appeasement. Now, the South Koreans are trying desperately to save not just their own lives, but the lives of their families, friends, and neighbors in Japan and China. Um, but, and while this is, you know, a really terrible use of rhetoric, it also speaks to the ironic nature of one of Republicans and, and conservatives' favorite words. I hear this word a lot, appeasement. So, um, this is in reference to when Neville Chamberlain, or as I like to call him, Lord Chamberbottom. Um, Chamberbottom. Uh, he went, after Hitler took Poland, he went... Uh, talk- after he took the Sudetenland. Oh, was it the Sudetenland? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and... Basically, he went to Hitler and said, hey, stop it. Uh, If we let you have this and we don't attack, will you stop? And Hitler was like, yeah. And so they called that appeasement. He basically was like, okay, you know, we're going to give in to you. Um, And this was generally recognized as a pretty terrible idea, considering Hitler went on to attack everyone. And the general idea was that if you give in in this one place, then he won't attack and he'll leave everyone alone. But... Um, this, you know, really bad political decision, um, combined with the stab in the back myth, uh, utilized by the Nazis prior to the second world war, um, has, has, you know, influenced the way American and Western powers and very specifically Republican and conservative war hawks, um, have seen to conduct themselves in, uh, you know, a limited war that is a war without nuclear warfare, you know, not nuclear bombs. Because any, bo- any any bombing with, or, you know, any warfare conducted without nuclear warfare is, is limited in a certain sense. Um, yeah. And while, re- while requiring of their enemy total surrender, which is, you know, no appeasement. Um, and, you know, there, there is a lot to say about how this is just totally irrational and illogical. Um, but it... it while it is irrational and illogical, it fits perfectly if you think of the idea that the profit and or war incentive or profit is in, or war incentivized is incentivized by profit. You know, it costs so much to build these bombs, and thus having a war that lasts, you know, twenty or thirty years or you know, sixteen years, like it has in um, Afghanistan, you know, can can be really profitable to individuals who are not soldiers, and it is shown that they don't care about soldiers. Uh, they really well, and we we, we, yeah. we talked about that specifically last last yeah. week, how, how politicians as well, not just generals and not just um, people working at, you know, scumbag companies like Raytheon also have like real material benefits from from engaging in war. So, yeah. I mean. And, and 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 so it's like, of course it makes sense. Of course they're hawkish because they have a base yeah. in their home district. But I think I think you know there's there is a a separation of it, of intent and incentive here because their base is being told, well, we're at war. Are we are under threat? You know, this war is coming to us. This violence is at our doorstep. Their doorstep. Yada 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 yada. Well, all that's untrue, and what the Congressmen, the politicians and the businessmen are hearing is, man, this is a great business opportunity. Um, and, and, and I just want to take that for a minute because when you talk about appeasement that way, you know, 
this isn't appeasement. This isn't, you know, Lord Chamberbottom going to Hitler and letting him have the Sudetenland. This is literally North South Korea being like, look, we're not giving you any land. We just want you to understand that you can't nuclear bomb us. Please do not nuclear bomb us. And like the fact <clears throat> that it is being totally swept away as, oh, this is appeasement. You're giving in. It's just like, no, you do not understand. The only reason you won't accept total surrender is because that gives you a really good reason to engage militarily with ideologies that you don't enjoy. That's why we went to Vietnam. Oh, I've got to reel back. Not going to start the <laughs> Vietnam yelling again. But, um, I, I, well, it's also like appeasement's not comparable. Like, where has, like, it doesn't make any sense to talk about fucking appeasement with North Korea. Like, why does North Korea exist? Because we, we came to a deal with the motherfuckers in 53. And we said, hey, let's stop the war shit. Let's all stop this shit. We'll have the most militarized part of the planet as our border. But we're not going to do war anymore because that's bad. Yeah. Like, the only reason the country exists is because of appeasement. Yeah. Like, what, do you want to go back and rewrite this fucking history? Fuck you. Yeah. That's not okay. So, on the Korean Peninsula... The difficulties that are in this situation, I think it is important for us to kind of, you know, you know, we don't have to walk through, you know, of course these generals and, and the politicians have more specifics, but I think we can walk through what I, I, I've been thinking about what I would like to see from um, governments around the world. And, and on one hand, um, I think that heavy sanctions do some, some interesting things. I do not think that heavy sanctions actually change the Kim uh, organization's rationale. I don't think they care. Um, you know, Kim is still eating, you know, his Cheerios with Mountain Dew poured over him the same way he has been since he was born. But I do think that what the sanctions can do, uh, especially heavy sanctions, is that they essentially oppress the people so much that they um, are willing to rise up and do something about their government. But that has a, a kind of a dual-edged sword problem because their government uses that as a way to say, like, oh, look, the international community doesn't care about you. And also, yeah, I don't, you can't get I don't, chocolate. Here's the little bit of chocolate the, the government has scraped together and you're allowed to have it. And so they didn't thank the government for their... I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not opposed to sanctions, but I just don't, I don't, if sanctions work like that, then North Korea would have changed already, you yeah. know? I mean, I don't disagree. Like, and but, and, but, and but, sanctions, sanctions hurt the people. Sanctions are the same thing when we talked about uh, South Korea, how it's like, oh, if you actually give a shit about these people, if you care about their rights and shit, then you don't want to ha have them live through a war. That's the one thing worse than living in North Korea is yeah. a war. And... And sanctions are just making. If you cared, if you actually care about these people, I don't think you can support sanctions against North Korea in a I, sense. You can support I, sanctions maybe against the Kim family. Like the fact that the Kim family sends its people to be educated in Switzerland. Like, yeah. put pressure on Switzerland to stop that. Put pressure, hurt the people at the top. Yeah. You know? And, 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 I actually, and I do agree with that. I just, my, 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 my hesitation, I guess, for lack of a better word, with a lot of it is that. Uh, the Kim organization is so insulated and because they have been under such extreme, you know, pressure since 1930 
um, that they've become so insulated that, you know, I mean, there's, I, you know, does, you know, do, Un doesn't walk a place where he's not 30 seconds from a nuclear bomb shelter because he's aware of what the game is. I mean, he knows. Um, I want to, I want to interject real fast with two, um, with, with a quote from, uh, uh, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, this morning. Um, she says that Un is begging for war and that the time for half measures is over. Um, and the U.S. this morning just now, along with that announcement, uh, announced to lift the warhead weight limit on South Korean missiles, which essentially means they're bringing bigger and stronger bombs. And so this is what the real problem is, because I think that we can take, you know, with either sanctions and putting pressure, like you said, on the Kim family through, you know, whatever, wherever they are getting their out. You know, if, if Kim's favorite snack is Oreos, we need to stop sending fucking Oreos. You know what I mean? <clears throat> if they are going to yeah. school in Sweden or Switzerland, we need to put pressure on the Swiss to not allow that to happen. And I think that those things are important. But what... You know the other the other options as a, you know apart from sanctions is then you know doing what South Korea and kind of China have been doing for the last maybe fifteen years, which is a heavy um, um, what is it called um, a heavy propaganda campaign. Um, you know I'm sure you've heard, and I'm mean, sure a lot of our listeners have heard of the uh, you know the South Korean over the DMZ about you know forty miles they just bump K-pop, <laughs> you know Korean pop music. And, and in North, North Koreans Korea. like it. North Koreans like yeah. they like K-pop. They like South Korean television. But they China and South Korea also do one other thing, and and Russia does this, but this is more under the table. They they do instead. Of, they do the opposite of sanctions. They invest money in North Korea. Mm-hmm. They say here are the conditions for this. The Kim family still needs this money to run the fucking country, yeah. right? Like they are broke. They need cash. That's part of the deal mm-hmm. um, to be able to get anything from outside. Because the Chinese don't like giving them shit. But if you know, a South Korean company can hire North Korean workers in the, it's called like the Peace Park or something on the DMZ. And then if the Chinese can hire North Korean workers, you know, then they're going to do that. And if we push for something like that, where it's like, we are going to get North Koreans in contact with people from the outside, we're going to have a say, we're going to control how you have access to money, not in a sanctioned way, but in a way that's like, we're helping you develop your own society. I think that's, that's a really important way to change it too, yeah. is saying, you guys are here, we want to work with you. Because yeah. why are they, part part of why they're so hardline is because we say we don't want to fucking work with you. Yeah. If somebody is fucking up in your face all day saying I will stab you, I will beat you, you're not gonna listen to them. Mm-hmm. That's also how you're gonna respond to some extent. And and I think so. So like this news of um, them allowing mo- larger bombs being allow the U.S. allowed allowing themselves to move larger bombs into South Korea. I think this speaks to the kind of escalation of tensions that will characterize the developments of this as we move forward. Um, and what I really mean by that is that, you know, what will happen is is that we'll move a larger bomb closer to North Korea. And the North Korea will do something minorly more threatening, but not overtly threatening. Basically, what they want to do is push the limit right to the edge where we have to respond. And then they want to be able to respond to that response with something that they can go, you know, oh, well, we didn't cross the DMZ. You know, it's it's Germany trying to figure out a way to be like, well, we didn't invade France at the beginning of the First World War. 
is you yeah. know, to, to say that, oh, well, actually the French crossed the border into Belgium three and a half hours before we did, which means that France invaded Belgium, which means that we were actually responding to France's invasion. It's, it's this convoluted bullshit, which is their way of disguising their guilt for knowing that what they are doing is instigating war. It's the exact same thing the Russians did during the Red Scare. It's the exact <clears throat> it's same, the same thing. It's the same things we do. All the time. We Constantly. Everybody does it. Yeah, but it, it, it is very much something that is, um, it's dangerous because it can just happen all so fast. It can all be over in a split second with these thermonuclear devices. You know, it was one of the things Oppenheimer and Einstein said a lot of following the creation of these kind of tools and these kind of weapons is that we have to be in a different era of humanity. We're not... We're not uh, a humanity that can die for finite honor, and we're not a humanity that can uh, fight and die for certain things. We have to actually hold our heads above it because we do actually have the ability to look into the abyss and see our own extinction staring back. And we have to avoid that, you know? There, we have to do what we can to keep it from happening. Because under any moral or ethical <clears throat> system, the extinction of the humans... It's not bad. not good. It's at least like yeah. I mean, like I'm sure. I mean, like yeah. There's lots. I mean, there there is the 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 old Skynet theory of uh, well, humans are bad, so we have to get rid of all of them for there to be peace. But that's a lot of dead bodies. Yeah, and it's not. You know, that includes us. Yeah, and my dog and stuff, and he's cute and runs around and barks at things. And, I mean, that's the, that's the end of the day thing for me. It's like now it's gotten far enough that we just have to – we have to accept that North Korea is there because the other option is nuclear war. Yep. The other option is the – you know, and maybe even a war with China depending on how the war goes. Yeah. And that's yeah, – fuck you if you want that. Well, I mean, fuck that's, you. That's, because that's, that's how the Korean War went <clears throat> is we accidentally invaded China because uh, – was it MacArthur? I think it was MacArthur. Uh, couldn't keep his dick in his pants. And he just was yeah. like, oh, 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 my accidentally across the border. And all the Chinese, the entire Chinese army was standing there like, yeah, you're across the border, fam. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, I care about North Koreans deeply. I really want the Kim family gone. Yeah. But it's not fucking worth it if they're all dead. Yeah. It's not. It's not. So, uh, on to Oklahoma news today, guys. Um, something, something I really want to talk about. Um, is Langford, Senator James Langford. He represents all of us, you know. Mark Wayne Mullen can be fucking Mario bullshit man out in the eastern part of the state, but but Senator Langford stands for every single Oklahoman. And he had a town hall last Tuesday. Well, did he say something and inflammatory? He surprisingly didn't say anything terribly inflammatory. In fact, the fact that he didn't say something inflammatory is what I want to talk about. The fact that he criticized a, a, a different Republican for being inflammatory oh. is what I want to talk about. It's kind of kind of strange. So um, somebody in the crowd apparently asked him, you know, oh, okay, is six months of scandals too much? And he said, actually, it's about eight months. And Talking about Trump? He also, yeah, he's talking about Trump. He also said, I think Trump is throwing gasoline on the fire with his communications and I don't want my children to speak that way. I don't think it helps. And what's important about this is is Senator James Langford um, clearly has some problems with Trump, right? 
he makes that expressly clear. He does that on purpose too, I think, to say, "Look at me, oh, I'm not as I'm not as rough and tumble. I'm not as gross or something, right?" Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing, and what I find kind of weird, um, is that if you look at how Langford's been voting, it seems like he doesn't have any problems with Trump. So I'm really confused whenever he comes up here and says, "I don't like Trump. I don't think he's good. I think he's bad." Blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't get it. But his, you know. Yeah, his voting history is just what Trump would want. Yeah, um, like and and something really important. It's a bit more than just what Trump would want, right? So, five thirty eight has this really cool thing where you can look at any House or Senate member and see how they're voting and how that lines up with like the expected support for Trump in their region based on how much he won by. And Senator Langford is predicted at lining up with Trump ninety three point seven percent of the time. But lines up with him 95.8% of the time. The only thing he's opposed Trump on has been sanctions against Russia. That's it. Nothing else. And, I mean, the sanctions against Russia was even something that Trump didn't want to do, but that he he did as a, like, weird double PR move where, like, he proposed it, but only because he knew that the situation with with Russia was crumbling beneath him and that... Uh, he knew that the Republicans wouldn't allow it to pass because the Republicans, like, while hating Russia, don't hate Russia. No, well, no, they do. He didn't want it to pass, and they passed it. That's the thing. Oh, okay. That's the important yeah. thing. Um, <clears throat> but it's just, I'm really curious, and I want to I wanna call James Langford out, um, and then I, wa- I want to say some other things about it. Because, number one, James Langford, if you don't like Donald Trump, stop voting with him. Yeah. Put your fucking money where your mouth is. Your job is to vote. To show that you represent me and that you represent Adam and that you represent everybody listening mm-hmm. to this podcast that's in Oklahoma. That's your job. If you don't like him, if people are happy that you don't like him, if you're going to fucking pull this bullshit where you go out in public and say, Donald Trump is bad, I don't want my kids to talk that way, fucking show it. Yep. Fight the guy. Yep. Don't fucking vote the party line. Mean it. Yep. Because right now you sound like a fucking hypocrite. You sound like you don't give a shit about your words. Yep. Or rather that all you give a shit about is your words and you don't actually care about anything else. Yeah. You're fine with him. And, yeah. and this is, this is it's, it's really important to talk about this because it's also the way out, right? James Langford can go be all, I don't like Trump, I think Trump talks poorly, I think Trump is bad, and then vote with him, and he gets all the, he gets all the press where mm-hmm. he's opposed to Trump or something. And yet, he's supporting him, basically down the line. Well, and I think, you know, this kind of goes to something we were discussing earlier, uh, you know, Donald Trump, one, being, you know, some, so, uh, such, a, such a kind of, you know, categorical Republican. I mean, he really is a, a Republican at the end of the day. And getting to a point where even the Republicans can't support the Republican agenda because it's just so illiterate and illogical that it's just dissolving in front of their faces. Um, it asked the tax issue earlier. But I think that this mm-hmm. also speaks a lot to it too because not only that, but it gives Donald Trump gives them all an out. Because anytime an initiative fails... Every senator gets to go home and go, well, I do not like Donald Trump. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like the things he stands for. But we have to move forward on these things together. And then they get to pander to their base. I mean, it, it is it is kind of a one-two punch where you're like, oh, well, we don't really, you know, we like conservative policy, but we don't like Donald Trump. It's like, well, they get to do... Exactly that. They get to play to Trump supporters by saying all the, you know, by riding the wave of enthusiasm that Trump has. 
Yes. Because there's plenty of people who think Lang who can. There's plenty of Trump supporters in Oklahoma who go Langford. He's voted with Trump every single time except for one, and that doesn't matter because it passed anyway. And at the same time, all the conservatives, all the Republicans who don't like Trump but still either voted for him or voted for Langford, can go and go. Oh well, you know, while Trump isn't the best, at least we have the Congress and 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 Senator Langford, you know, to bring his wisdom to the table. Yeah, and Senator like Langford is day, doing a good job of criticizing. Yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, neither of those things matter. Like it's just a show so that they can maintain their grubby little hands on the power as long as they can. They just want to be able to organize the oppression the way that benefits them the most. And it's also, I mean, it's something that exists on both sides of the political spectrum. We act like how people talk and how people act is what's, impo- what's important. And don't get me wrong, it matters. But if Donald Trump was up there and he was fucking dropping F-bombs and, and swearing up a storm, <clears throat> but at the same time he was doing, you know, if he was some left-wing guy, if he was like how Bernie Sanders was unpolished, Instead of being, you know, bad in a sexist way and so on, in a sexist and racist way, you know, then it's like, uh, I don't really give a shit how you sound. If you're standing for the right things and fighting for them, fuck off. Don't talk to me about how people talk. Don't give me this fucking, I mean, it's, it's the exact same rhetoric where people say, oh, you know, black people should behave better and then cops would treat them better or pull up your pants. That's the famous line. And it's like, this is bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. That's unimportant here. Yeah. And you use this to distract us from what actually counts. Yeah, exactly. And. And we have James Langford on record saying, I like Donald Trump. I like what he stands for, and I like what he does with our government. Yeah. James Langford, you're called out. Fucking come on the show and fight us. Yeah. Well, not even fight us. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be completely serious and say that if there is a politician, either state or national level, congressionally in Oklahoma, who would like to come on and, and, and have a, a frank and honest discussion, you know, we're, you know, I like to think that we're both we're open very open-minded it. people, but not only that, but... It's something we hold very, very near and dear to us, and, and I'm not gonna pull punches on that. That's why I got into the you know the realm of political work that I am in. That is why I've structured my education the way I've structured it, and it's honestly it's part of the reason I'm still in Oklahoma is that I honestly see room for political change here, and I also see that it is a place that I love, and it is a place that I I think it is important to help people and. Yeah, Langford, I would love, there are a few things I would love more than to be able to actually sit down and have a real heart-to-heart, not emotional, but an actual policy discussion where we can sit here and go, dude, no, you know how the capital is organized. You know what these things are. You know how these things are are organized and actually have a real discussion because these people aren't stupid. That's what I think a mistake a lot of people and a lot of leftists make. I mean, you know, Donald Trump might be a little addled. But the people around him are not stupid. Langford is They're not smart. stupid. Even yeah. even Mario, he's got three quarters of a brain. He knows what he's doing. He knows. He what does he's not saying. have more than three quarters, though. That's a no, problem. no, no. That 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 la- that front where the cerebral cortex is is actually just a series of pipes that connect to it themselves. They lead you to the princess, actually. Yeah, That's, yeah. Uh, but the princess is tax reform. <laughs> All right. So what's next up on the docket for Oklahoma news? Uh, the next the next thing. Is one of those other things where it's like, man, stop talking bullshit and, and actually do the job of governing, right? Um, and it's about one of the, the classic things, right? The state of Oklahoma decided that it needed to start drug testing welfare applicants. Um, 
because you you don't want people on welfare using money for drugs because you know that's what poor people do right mm-hmm. poor people just use their money badly um which is bullshit i'm saying that very sarcastically fuck all those people that think like that but what's what's important and what proves the point here is that about 2.8 percent of the adult applicants who underwent screening um tested positive for drugs 2.8 percent and and over the past five years we've spent 2.2 million dollars on this drug testing and 2.8 percent of the people come up positive like what is that why why do we do that you know like i'm seriously curious because the whole idea here and i've never had anyone successfully explain this to me and it's something that you hear all the time in oklahoma i've heard it from plenty of people and it tends to be richer people who don't actually know what poverty is like um they, they're like, oh, we need to make sure they're not using drugs on this welfare money because that would be a bad allocation of money. I don't think if you want to smoke some weed with your welfare money, like, I don't care. So, like, that's a totally different argument. But it makes sense, right? The whole point is to protect state funds, to keep them from getting used in a way that they're not supposed to be yeah. used. Yeah, and, 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 I, and, I, and I think especially, you know, just to, to take that for a second and, and, and hold on to it because I, I, I've been around a lot of people who do deal with people who are on welfare. And, like, one of the things I've always been – um, you know, a lot of these households, there are children involved. And when those, you know, parents do go out and spend that money on things that aren't food, it does, it can negatively affect those kids pretty severely. But at the same time, you know, drug addiction and those kind of things, like those are medical issues. Those are, you know, the, there is a person, you know, even, even the most avid Chichin Chong pot smoker isn't going, dude, pot's the greatest day. Everyone needs to smoke it all day, every day. I mean, like, I'm sure there are some 18 year olds who say that stupid shit, but there is no educated person who has sat and dealt and seen the money that they spend and, and done all those things and, and had a, had a, a, a nuanced understanding of their own drug addiction to be able to say, oh man, everyone should be high. Like no drug addict thinks that way. All of these people want help or at least want moderation. No one wants to be on welfare and spending all their welfare money on drugs. And like not only that, like sure, you can give your EBT card to your drug dealer. There are ways to, you know, figure out a way to, you know, go to the store with the drug dealer and buy his food and then he gives you drugs for that. And like, yeah, sure. But like at the end of the day, the drug problem in Oklahoma is as rampant and as bad as it is because we don't have healthcare infrastructure. Yeah. That's it. And that's it. That's the, that's the solution. It's like not and if we, cutting if we, welfare or drug testing these people. All you're doing is wasting money that you could spend on allowing people to go to methadone clinics and allowing people to go to, uh, I don't, I don't know what the methadone for or for, for, uh, amphetamines is, but I mean, you know, going to drug rehab clinics that aren't scams, that aren't whatever the commercials were that we see, you know, the Palm and, and, Springs, whatever. And to be fair, the program does allow people who test positive to go get treatment and then come back. But like, where's that treatment money coming from? Yeah. You know? And, and the thing is the money for these drug tests are coming from the same program. They're coming from, uh, TAMF funds. So basically what we're saying is we want to waste $2.2 million that could be going to make sure that kids don't starve. Essentially. That's really mainly what welfare is given out for mm-hmm. is for families with kids that can't afford to feed their kids. And we're saying, no, we're going to take away a child's food to make sure that their parents aren't using it for drugs. Yeah. And if you're, if your parents have gone through the process of getting fucking food stamps and, and, and having an EBT card, they're probably not the kind of parent that is going to be spending money 
that's that's going to be you know wasting this money on drugs in the first place. Well, because it's not you. You have to jump through hoops to get this shit. You don't just show up to the government welfare office and say, "I would like my money." You have to do a bunch of shit to prove that you're valid. Well, and not only that, but I mean, you know, on some of those, you know, uh, unemployment you have to pay into before you can get it, and then welfare you have to prove disability. WIC is a little different, and that's infants, uh, women, infants, and children, and that WIC is a little different um, in that it is a little easier to qualify for. And but I mean, that that is specifically designed for single mothers, um, and you know you're talking about general welfare. You're talking about people who've had to prove a disability that prevents them from working. That's not an easy thing to do. The government doesn't want to do that. No one, and, and not only that, but I mean, I mean, really like me, I'm a hardworking guy. At least I like to think I am. And I, I you know, I've seen you work, Carl, and you're a hardworking guy. And can you imagine actually going to somewhere and being like, uh, I have to prove that I can't work. Like, yeah, that, like that's, that's like embarrassing. It's it's not just embarrassing, but it just breaks you down. It makes you less human. And people shame people shame people getting all the food stamps all the time. That's super regular. And part I mean part of the other problem too is that we don't have public invest we don't have capital controls investment. So there's no mm. jobs. Like the oil markets go to shit and then the whole state of Oklahoma's economy, you know, grinds to a fucking halt. And there are policy answers to those things. There are just, you know, like we've said before, wind energy. There are just basic construction of those plants under government. You know, the, the, you know there are basic things that we can do. Okay. Um, yeah, guys, so for our conservative reading this, it's a bit different this week. Um, we're not just going to hate read something. And we're actually reading an article by... Uh, this guy's going to be the... I think the only, like, not just, you know... Leather on the ground reporter that we've talked about twice. No, the Oklahoma individual. We've talked about the Oklahoma editorial board enough. Um, but but the only author, right? And it's this guy, Russell Cobb. Um, and Russell Cobb wrote that piece where it's like, oh, where's Oklahoma? He wrote that for This Land Press, and he's wrote a ton of stuff for This Land Press. I'm very sad, by the way, This Land Press is gone. But what's important right now is that he wrote this massive story for The Guardian. And I, everybody's seen it on Facebook if you're from Oklahoma. I've seen some people share it. I've seen some people refuse to share it and still write Facebook posts about it because it's, it's, it's a big deal of an article, right? And it's in, you know, a national paper. And what he does is he starts off by talking about some bad shit that's happened in the state. And he's not wrong. He, yeah. Literally one of the things he's – like most of the things he, he's talked about, we've talked about. He talks about teachers – and that teacher panhandling that we talked about he talks about how earthquakes are destroying the country. Um, and then he talks uh, – he doesn't use these words, but he's talking about systemic racism too when he talks about our criminal justice system. And then he asks the question, do these snapshots of Oklahoma show a failing state? And he goes on to say, yeah, it does. And he lists just a ridiculous amount of things about how Oklahoma is this failed state, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, oh, we're the second in male incarceration, we lead in school expulsion, we're the first in female incarceration, one in 12 Oklahomans have a felony conviction. And he says that the state government is just not doing its job, and that Oklahoma is failing because of that. And I think it's pretty obvious that both of us fucking agree the state government is not doing its job. Yeah. In any way, in any meaningful way, the state government has, has totally rescinded all responsibility to the people of Oklahoma. You all, sh you all know that if you're listening to us, I think. Um, yeah. 
And so he's just going. But the thing is, you know, he's talking about this. And, I mean, this article is very long. He goes very in-depth about schools. He goes very in-depth about uh, Elliot Williams, a man who uh, was essentially, I would say, murdered by an action in the Tulsa County Jail. Um, and he goes on about the earthquakes from the oil business. And he, he just keeps doing this. And all he's doing is saying, look at this. This is all terrible. This is terrible. The one good thing he mentions, basically in the whole article, is that the Oklahoma Policy Institute, and shout out to the Oklahoma Policy yeah. Institute. They're somebody we, we both read and love. They mm -hmm. do great work. But he doesn't even, you know, he just says, oh, look, the Oklahoma Policy Institute, this progressive uh, policy advocacy uh, group, is, you know, saying how bad it is. The Oklahoma Policy Institute also puts out stuff that's like, oh, here's how we can fix it. That would yeah. be good. And, and he never mentions the groups of people that are fighting this. You know, he talks about how terrible, when he talks about how terrible our prison industrial complex is in the state of Oklahoma, he doesn't mention that we had a serious prison reform election, uh, uh, referendum in the 2016 election, which passed yeah. overwhelmingly. When he talks about the schools, he doesn't really drive home the fact that our school system is, you know, seeing a revolt by the teachers running for running for office mm -hmm. and at times getting elected and doing a better job since since 2016 than they had in the past. Yeah. You know, and he talks about the oil business and he doesn't really talk about how we're, you know, trying to do all this stuff to get green energy started, because that is also happening. That's something we've talked about. Mm -hmm. And it's really to me, it, it feels like reading this article, like it's the gaze of some coastal elite, right? Mm, yeah. That that they're looking at us and they're saying, look at these rubes in the center, you know? Look at these middle Americans. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I think, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head, but it is, you know, the, the, the answer in Oklahoma is a people solution. It is a, you know, and that, that is what I think a lot of the answers are around the world for a lot of questions. But I think that especially here, and I think that's one of the reasons I, felt, I feel so attached to this place and feel so emotionally charged about doing some of these things is that what really so matters is that, you know, we need to be able to think of community solutions and lift each other up in these situations. Um, and and the, the real answer to that is not just voting in good people. It is voting in good people, but it is creating a community that we are proud of and that a community that is aware of itself. Um, you know, I see that in certain, there's certain places, you know, Norman is a good example of a community that I think is pretty aware of itself, um, just because of the student body is so interactive with itself and is so large. But there's parts of Tulsa that are the same way. I think of, you know, the, the area around the Guthrie Green and the Woody Guthrie Center of the people who work there and the people who live there have a good balance of understanding between themselves of how they should organize themselves and how they should hold themselves as a community. And I think that, that is important because the greatest thing that we can do is get to know our neighbors because our neighbors are our community. They're, our, they're the society that we makes up who we are. The, the Kendrick line is uh, America, ain't that, uh, America reflections of me, that's what a mirror does. 
It's like that's, you know, we can't change the world if the world we change is some theoretical thing that we don't understand. But what we can change is the people around us and how they view not only themselves but us as well and as, as their members of their community. And we can't do that by shitting on ourselves and telling us and tell, and, and, and <clears throat> taking our, 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 our internal strife and displaying it for the coastal elites and saying, oh, look how terrible Oklahoma is. Oh, we're not going to make it. It's like that yeah, and, just doesn't do it. It makes it worse. I mean, in this long form, he, he has two relatively short paragraphs about anything that people in Oklahoma are doing to make it better. Yeah. Two, two short paragraphs. And the guy's in Oklahoma, as far as I can tell. I've looked it up. And I get that. You know, it's very easy as somebody that grows up in Oklahoma to see the state through that lens. Because we don't have, you know, we're not represented in media. I think the last time Oklahoma was meaningfully in the national media was when Chandler and Friends had to work in Tulsa. And the joke was that, well, that sucks. And yeah. that was the extent of the joke. Right? And then we get, we get tornadoes and fucking... Scott Pelley asks some lady, oh, do you pray to God? And she says, no, I'm an atheist. Because he can't even begin to understand that we might be diverse here, too. We might not be all the exact same. I don't know what and, you're talking about. Everyone I've ever met. <laughs> Oklahoma has been a carbon copy of everyone else. It's, we're all the exact same. Um, but no, it's just... And, and, and the worst thing about it is that this same week this came out, the New York Times had two stories... One of them was a cover story, I believe, about a group of women in Oklahoma City fighting the syphilis outbreak. And the article was pretty damning in a lot of ways because it was like, this is an issue that hasn't existed before. This is like, you know, measles or something. It was something that we had almost solved. Mm -hmm. And it's coming back because of bad policy. Yeah. But the article was focused on a group of women in Oklahoma City going around and solving that problem. And if you look in Oklahoma, if you spend time, you know, like us, there are people doing shit. And, and we need hard. to tell that story. Yeah. You know, that's the story that people need to hear because all these people, why did Hillary not go to fucking Wisconsin or something? Because she's hearing the shit that all of us are like this. Yeah. That we look this one way. We have this one form because nobody, nobody gives a shit about us. Yeah. And we have to give a shit about ourselves and we have to tell the sons and daughters and any kind of LGBTQ people you want. The, the children of Oklahoma, those people need to be telling our own story. Yeah. And we need to be doing it in a way that recognizes that, no, we're not this simple, small shithole. Yeah. We are a state that could be wonderful. We're nuanced and understanding. And not only that, we have a rich cultural and political history. Um, we are not defined by any one word or one metric. Uh, it's, a, it's a nuanced understanding of who and what we are as Oklahomans. And I think that is so very important um, and it's also, it's the narrative that the, you know, people like Mary Fallon and James Langford and Mark Wayne Mullen and all the, and Donald Trump want to tell that we're all like this. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not. No, no. And, and we can be, I think, at least the last thing I want to say on this point is that we can be unified without all having to be hegemonic. You know, yeah, we, we don't be, have to be the same. Yeah, we don't have to be the same to, you know, be a unified front. You know, if someone ever did anything to any of my friends, excluding you, Carl, I'd be right at their aid. But if anyone did anything to you, I'd let them because that's what's right and good is to allow people to, you know, do bad things to you. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> well, do you have anything but, else on that point? 
you know, I just the last thing I want to say on that point is is that if you remember back to last week when we talked about the Green Corn Rebellion, that shit was diverse as fuck. You know, that's the Oklahoma we live in today. And that's the story we need to keep telling. Yep. And that's why we're out here doing this. So yep. come check come check us out on Twitter at Red Star Over OK. Guys, come on. Somebody tweet us some photos of fires. Like it's not that hard. Uh, I'm gonna you have know, to do seen... it. I'll, I'll have to. I'll, I'll I'll have to get some printed up this week. No, we'll have to Astro. We'll have to get some Soros money to pay somebody oh, to do that. Man. Um, but uh, and come check out the subreddit r slash Red Star over Oklahoma. We've got we. I've started posting all the conservative reading series and all our other associated reading series um, underneath the the new episodes. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud. Same name. You, you already know who it is. Uh, Red Star <laughs> over Oklahoma. Come on. Uh, and, and rate and review us on iTunes, guys. Yeah, we need ratings and reviews. Make it important. Yeah. It helps us move up those charts, get more listeners. And the more listeners we have, the uh, better we are able to uh, help people out. Yeah. Anyway. And then, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. See y'all. Bye.